Welcome to Bring on the Mess, a show where we have real conversations about how to embrace life's messiness and how we find ways to show up and uncover our true self. I'm Beth Ann Langrill, the CEO at For All Seasons. And I'm Lisa Lee, the Chief Clinical Officer here at For All Seasons. We are so glad that you're with us today. And, you know, Lisa, we've talked so many things about uh, different topics and we've had some really Great conversations for the community. We've had some guest speakers. And part of what we're going to do today is dig into a little bit of Brene Brown's work on being in the arena. And it's an important thing that you and I have worked on as leaders and certainly a piece where we've been able to instill a little bit of a different lens as we've thought about not only our professional lives, but our personal lives. And I'm just really excited to jump into this work today. Yeah, me too. We actually just took our first team through this, and it was really exciting, and we received some really good feedback. Even doing the training and the research, I still get something out of it and learn more about myself as a leader, as a mother, as a friend. And so I'm really excited to be able to share a little bit about the arena. Mm -hmm. And so I think let's first define what the arena is. Yeah, and I think even before we give you the information about the arena, we'll tell you a little bit about Brene. And when Brene Brown started her work, she's a researcher, she's an expert in shame, and so we've talked about her from time to time, but that's really where our leadership philosophy comes from is all of Brene's work. And Brene found a quote that she really felt strongly about as she was herself experiencing feelings of shame when she had a YouTube video that she did a TED talk and it went out on YouTube. And it was a lot of, we live in a world of judgment and criticism at times. This whole arena concept came up because she received a huge amount of criticism and judgment when a TED talk went onto YouTube. And it was her experience of coming out of that shame and judgment that really led to this arena conversation. To add to that, she makes me giggle. She's actually a great storyteller, as well as, as Anne said, a researcher. And she typically gives us one type of presentation from what she had shared, and she changed it up and she allowed herself to be vulnerable when you're vulnerable, you put yourself out there to be seen. And she talks about how she engineered herself to be very small and not seen. And this was a first attempt of throwing herself out there. And mm -hmm. then, like Bethann said, there was this really negative feedback, some really, really horrible and cruel things. And so as she was coming out of this place and doing her research, she came across this quote that Bethann will share with you. What I think is important is when we're sharing this information and we're talking about this horrible feedback, typically when we are venturing out into something for the first time and we're experiencing a place where we have to have courage to share our vulnerability, more times than not, they're not criticizing the content that you're presenting. They're criticizing the person that you are or the format. And that's a little bit of what Brene experienced. And so she tells the story that she had sort of hunkered down and hid herself under a blanket and just threw herself into tubs of ice cream as she was trying to process the shame of some of these comments that were seen. And she found a quote, and it's by Teddy Roosevelt. This is the quote that really helped her bring herself from a place of shame to a place of who's in the arena with me. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. 
The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. And this is one of those quotes, Lisa, I know for us and for you listening, this is just one of those quotes that can be so life-changing if we really peel back. I always think of like Shrek and onions. Onions have layers. (laughs) um, You know, Donkey says that to Shrek. And this really is one of those quotes that makes you think about your life in layers. And, And when we think about how judgment and how people's opinions affect us in our daily lives as leaders and just in, you know, our daily lives as human beings. It's this kind of a quote, especially where we say that when you fall short again and again, who at the best knows in the end, the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least has failed daring greatly. Like what an amazing concept to, to sort of factor into life. Absolutely. And You know, as you read that, I got the chills because it really does have a lot of meaning in it. And Bethann and I gave a talk for eighth graders and she did high school and also fifth graders. And it's really funny because some of the eighth grade students were really funny because they're like, you just got to believe in yourself and you just got to get out there and do it. And it kind of made me giggle because there's a little bit of that quote in there. And then there was this brave young person who spoke out and was really vulnerable about the topic that we were discussing. And then the students, some of them started to giggle. And those are the critics. And whether it's in school, at work, at home, there are always critics out there who will judge criticize, compare, make you feel as if you are not enough. And I like smile because I think of those kids who said, you know, you just got to believe in yourself. You got to just try and it's okay if you fail. And I hope and I pray and I do everything I can to say, please believe in that with Mm -hmm. your whole heart Mm -hmm. because it's such an important skill when you have people out there who are not in the arena with you. And how often we talk about this, and this was a really big journey, and then I'm still on. I'm an expert in understanding who's in the arena with me and and who's not in the arena. We'll take you through in just a minute as we're talking through this sort of judgment and how this arena can show up in your life. But Brene has this quote that she says, and her message is, if you are not in the arena with me, getting your butt kicked, then I'm not interested in your feedback. And one of the things that I think as we go through the arena with all of you is understanding how much space, whether it's our our brain space, our thought space, how it affects our body, we give to people who are, are simply just launching grenades and just giving criticism, but aren't there with you through the really tough times and aren't willing to be courageous and not willing to be vulnerable. It's so much easier to just peace out and throw judgment at someone and walk away. And maybe that's because they themselves are insecure or maybe because they are jealous of what's happening or maybe they don't know and they don't have a context. But I think it's really important as we start to to sort of dive into this arena 
piece and talk a little bit about how shame and judgment shows up in our lives today. Just that phrase, like if you're not in this with me, if you are not willing to get your butt kicked with me, then I'm not interested in your feedback is a really important lens to be thinking of as we dive into the arena. Yeah. So let's just start off and define what the arena means. From Brene, she talks about it being a metaphor for a moment or an experience when you share yourself. So that could be your ideas, your feelings, your opinions, your art, yourself, knowing that you can't control the outcome or what people think. The arena is really you showing up to be seen, Mm -hmm. not knowing how people will receive you. And that's huge. (gasps) That is huge. And we do that a lot in our lives. And there is also a part of us, Brene always says that you can't get to courage without rumbling with vulnerability. And so, as Lisa said, we were presenting to the Kent County Schools this past week. And I sat with all of the fifth graders in all three of the elementary schools. And there is a a vulnerability that students have to show in order to be courageous to raise their hand. There is a vulnerability that they have to show in order to say, we were presenting on test anxiety and stress. And for a child to say to a complete stranger who's come in to sit with them and talk about preparing for these large state tests, it's a lot of courage for that little, little one to say, I get really nervous and I feel like I'm going to throw up before a test and my palms are sweaty and I feel like I'm not going to do well. There is a a really big level of vulnerability that we even see in our little people. And it translates when we become adults that if somebody at that fifth grade level had said, I feel like I'm going to throw up and I feel like I'm not going to do well on a test. And I gave them this example yesterday. I said, what if my response to you right now was, well, that's because you're dumb or because you're a loser. What message does that send to our young people versus me saying, it's okay, we're going to figure out some skills and strategies that are going to help you work through that. Our judgment can really cut like a knife and our words can be something that can help or can hurt. And especially for our young people, as we go through this, thinking about the story that has been shared with a young person and how it affects them later in life to be vulnerable and find that courage. Some of the things that Bethany's talking about when you have somebody who's sort of hurling judgment or criticism, Brene refers to those as the cheap seats. (laughs) And there's a lot of people in the cheap seats who hurl advice or criticism to say we're doing it wrong or you're not enough. And that's when she had talked about earlier, those are the people that, unless they're in the arena with you, that you want to be kind of walking past or not listening to. And when Bethany and I were giving the training to our staff, one of the things that we talked about, and, and I will just say personally, Sometimes it's hard to just walk past that criticism that people are hurling and not take it personal. And so there's a lot of skills that throughout these podcasts that we can start to share with you. Mm -hmm. Right now, there's just an invitation more just to learn a little bit about their arena, the cheap seats. And again, cheap seats are the people who are hurling advice or criticism. What I want to share with you is I was in a classroom where I I was so impressed. It was the first classroom that I was in. And one of the students raised their hand and said, but what if you don't know how to study? And I thought, whoa, like that was incredible. And so we started to talk about, and some of the other classmates talked about things that they do to study. And as we kept talking, one of the things that 
this classroom had talked about was part of what makes that classroom a good classroom where they can ask for information and go to the teacher to say, I don't know how to do something was because of that teacher, Mm -hmm. because of him. And so Brene calls that the support section, right? So the most important seats in the house where there's self-compassion and there's empathy. And so to find those people, like like Bethann had just shared with us, right? Like, what are we saying? Are we hurling the cheap seats or are we hurling the support section, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that from when we talk about those cheap seats, we usually get stuck the most on the feedback from the people in the cheap seats. I have such a profound respect for people who say, why do you care what they think? I am totally the person who cares what the people in the cheap seats think. You know, I get stuck in the cheap seat feedback a lot because I do care what people think. I don't need everybody to like me, but I would be lying if I said it didn't affect me when people had negative things to say about me or the way I do things or my children or I tend to find myself sitting in the feedback of the cheap seats more than I really recognize the support section feedback that I've received from the people that matter in Mm -hmm. my life. And and I just think that's a reality of as we move through life, it's so much easier to get tripped up in the judgment and the cheap seats than it is to sit back and realize all of the good parts of who we are and the people that are there to love and support us. Boy, when you said something about the cheap seats and something about parenting, or maybe I just heard parenting because (laughs) that's just my... trigger. And that could drop me to my knees in an instant. The Mm. amount of shame that I could feel about being a mother or not getting it right or the work-life balance. Am I paying enough attention to my kids? Am I um, doing enough for my children? And so what I find really helpful is that when I know that I've been hooked by what someone has said. Like, I have to recognize that first. And for those of you who've been listening to Bethany and I for a while, you know probably one of the things that we talk about all the time, and that is particularly my favorite word, is mindfulness, Mm -hmm. is being present in the moment without judgment. And so what I have to do is recognize that I have been hooked by what somebody has said. And it could be a work-related thing. It doesn't just have to be a parenting thing, but a work-related thing can bring me to shame also. And once I recognize I'm hooked, I have to figure out who in my support section I can go to to work me through the shame. Mm -hmm. And it's important that we start to figure that out before we find ourselves in the shame. So Mm. if this is the first time that you're thinking about this, I, I always say, like, who are your five? And maybe you don't have five, maybe you only have one. But if we can build up that support section and take some time to just sit, like, again, this is just an invitation for us all to be thinking about this a little bit differently so that when those moments come, we don't feel like we are sitting in the arena all by ourselves. And the other thing I think is really important for us to do, just real briefly, is talk a little bit about the difference between shame, guilt, and embarrassment and humiliation, because we're gonna we're throwing out some of these words and we wanna make sure you have a clear understanding. So again, arena is, you know, those moments where we share ourselves with people. And oftentimes what happens when we're in the arena is that there's this criticism. So those would be the cheap seat people mm-hmm. who are hurling out advice and criticism or judgment. And when we feel judged, we can experience shame. So shame is a reflection of self. 
I am bad. I am the worst mother or I am the worst clinician or something about me not being enough. Guilt is about my behavior. Like, I'm sorry, Bethann, I really messed up on that. And, you know, we make amends that way. But it's more a reflection of my behavior versus who I am. And it doesn't trip up that I'm a bad person because I've done something that hurts someone or I'm sorry for, which is really, you know, I think especially in in the self-talk that we do, you know, we do that self-talk. I I say to people all the time, how do you speak to yourself? Do you talk to yourself like you would speak to a friend, you know, or is it, oh, I'm so dumb. I can't believe I messed that up. But if that was your friend who made that same mistake, you'd say, no big deal, Lisa. It's fine. We'll figure it out. And so recognizing how that self-talk also comes into this guilt and shame piece is a really important thing to sort of look at when we think about the arena. Absolutely. Because when we recognize we're hooked by an emotion and we are mindful of our self-talk, that's where we can really discern whether it is shame, guilt, embarrassment is just like, you know, hey, like we all feel it. It's fleeting. It's quick. Our face maybe turns a little bit red, but it goes away. And we've all been there. And we all and embarrassment, been there. You know, embarrassment comes like if I spill my cup of coffee, like who hasn't done that? We've all spilled a cup of coffee. As a matter of fact, you couldn't see it, but I did spill my coffee on my right. shirt today. <laughs> so yeah. there we go. That's a perfect example. Humiliation is experienced like shame. So the physiological hurt, like stopping, maybe holding breath, wanting to run, hide. It's experienced the same, but it's about desire. Deserving. So if the self-talk is, wow, I did not deserve what you just did versus I am the worst person ever, the deserving is really what matters. So I didn't deserve is experiences humiliation, whereas I am something wrong with me is more of the shame talk. Right. And so that shame and guilt and embarrassment and humiliation, those are the pieces where we have to take a step back and and give ourselves some space to think like, okay, what's happening? And because the humiliation piece also has a component of feeling like you're all alone versus like the embarrassment of spilling a cup of coffee, since we've all been there, like we can all sort of be (laughs) like, eh, no big deal. And I think that guilt piece of, I'm really sorry I messed up, but I'm still a good person versus I'm a horrible person and I messed up in that shame. Those are the four components that are important for us to think through as we are hearing those cheap seats and finding our support system and and living in a world, we live in a world right now that is so filled with judgment and criticism and everything has to happen yesterday and are we good enough? Are we doing enough? Could you be doing more? I feel like, especially as we've come through COVID, there's, there's this different level of expectation of when things can happen. You know, if you were gonna set a meeting you would place a phone call and you would say, are you free tomorrow? And now it's the, can you hop on a Zoom call right now? Or can I, can you take a call right now? Or I know it's five o'clock, but could you do a 5.30? We've become a society that has sort of forgotten about boundaries sometimes. Mm, and Yes, yes, yes. And so there, there is a lot more pressure, which creates a lot more feedback. And we sometimes put more of that pressure on ourselves to keep up. It's that rat race and chasing our tails. And as we think about the people who are in the arena with us, I love what you say about sort of the, who is the support system that you can go to when you're hooked. It's the people that are in the arena with you that you can fall back on and who 
are non-judgmental, who accept the things that happen that don't change who you are as a person, but it's just life and, and are able to work through things without the criticism, without the judgment that are really the important folks that we need to invest our time and our thoughts in. And I think it's important to also remember that sometimes we might be in the cheap seats. We might <laughs> yes. be that person. Yes. And because we're not perfect human beings, mm -mm. because let's also distinguish between perfectionism and healthy striving. Perfectionism is more about pleasing the outside world. How can I fit in? How can I be? Versus healthy striving is more about myself and doing well and still achieving. Mm -hmm. And so it's also important for us to remember that if we land in the cheap seats and for some reason someone comes to us and we find ourselves judging or criticizing, a lot of times I know Brene talks about that those tend to be the areas of vulnerability in us mm -hmm. and that sometimes we work our stuff out on other people. Mm -hmm. And so again, this is where mindfulness will be really important is if we find ourselves in the cheap seats and maybe criticizing or judging someone, as soon as we recognize it, that's where that guilt comes in and, and says, hey, like I am really sorry that this happened and I did this. And so being able to take responsibility and apologize is going to be a really important skill to develop if you find yourself in those cheap seats. And recognizing that we don't always get it right. We don't always do it the ideal way. So you and I can sit here and we can sort of <laughs> plot out the plan of here's exactly what it should look like and we can tie it up with a bow. And more times than not, not only is the box that we're presenting to somebody not wrapped the bow doesn't even make it on there most times. And so it really is all of these things that we were talking about. I said yesterday in one of the presentations I gave, you're not going to leave here an expert because we've spent a half an hour discussing this. And so the other piece of all of this is practicing and practicing mm -hmm. and being able to develop and build the skills and be able to understand that this isn't going to go right the first time. And we've got to give ourselves the space to start and restop multiple times. You said a really important thing, well, two important things. One is practice, because as long as you and I have been practicing this, we still get it wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's really important for you to know that 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 will happen because we are not perfect human beings. We just strive to be decent human beings. Right. And the other part of what you said, which was grace, I know you love grace as I a do. word. I do. Um, and grace or self-compassion is also that other important piece. Mm -hmm. And so if you could take a nugget or two out of this, it might be, how do I show up in the arena? Am I in there? Am I putting myself out there in the world? Am I being vulnerable? Do I want to be more vulnerable in life? Great. These are skills to practice and to develop. What's happening when I am feeling shame? Am I shutting down? Am I lashing out? And to be continued conversations about what we call the shame shields and how that shows up in us. And when we mess up, are we taking responsibility, feeling bad, apologizing, and then having compassion for ourselves for not getting it right? Right, right. And giving, and, and giving ourselves the opportunity 
to continue to not get it right. Mm -hmm. Because even after we've apologized, it might be something that we find ourselves tripped up on. Wouldn't it be awesome if life was you make the mistake once and you never make it again? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That would be an ideal way to live. But I think giving ourselves that grace and the space. And I would encourage all of us to think this over these next two weeks before we're back with you again about how are we showing up in the arena and where are we sitting? Are we in the cheap seats? Are we in the support section? And just paying attention a little bit to how we are showing up in the world for ourselves and for those in our lives. And we are really looking forward to digging in more with you on these topics and these subjects. And we hope that as you take a little nugget from today, it'll be something that you will practice until we're back with you in another couple weeks. Thank you. Have a great two weeks and we will talk to you soon.